0: Welcome back, Rabbi Dr. Eliezer Brutt. It's a pleasure to be with you. We spoke a few days ago, and we continued Season 2 on the Sefarim of Reb Chaim Kanayewski, which has been unanimously dedicated and sponsored in memory of Moshe Chaim and Yitzchak David. All the learning and all the Torah knowledge that comes out of these episodes should be a zchus and an for his neshama, and we thank the wonderful donor, a good friend of ours. Thank you again. Um, last time, as mentioned, we discussed the Chazanish is Shita on manuscripts. It's obviously not a straightforward, easy to describe in one sentence exactly what he held. We're looking for sources, what his Talmudim took out of the different things that he wrote. In Bar HaShem, we have Rabbi Dachbil Yazabrat, who's done the research and is working on these two episodes to explain it in a wonderful, clear fashion the audience. Last episode we also had this new twist. Rabbi Dr. Eliezer brought turned around and pulled out a safer from behind him. We keep on getting people asking, what are all those books behind him? And he pulled out a fascinating safer from Ruby Margolis, who's one of his heroes, so I'm not surprised that he had a safer of his behind him, Koltaldus Adam. This time if you stick around to the end of the episode, Rabbi Dr. Eliezer brought is going to quickly run through a brand new safer that came out brand new, from a previous Acher, from a previous generation, something new, interesting, so stay tuned for that. Without further ado, Rabbi, doctor, how are you today? Baruch Hashem. Okay, so why don't you briefly run over and summarize what you've discussed last episode and continue on and keep us glued.
1: <laughs> okay, so basically... Well, we, well, the way we summed it, we, the way we began the last episode is that this, we're calling it this two shitas. One is called the shita, the Brua which is that uses new discoveries of Rishayinim. And Then there's a the shita, what's known as the Chazanish, shita not to use them. Okay. And what's significant for us is, Rabbi Kanievsky, he appears from all his writings, called the the Bura. he embraces it, Adasayif, Medrashim, Ga'inim, Rishaynim, and he even edits some of them from manuscripts. So we're trying to understand what really is the Sheet of the Chazanish. So first, we discussed last time the Sheet of the Stipler, what appears to be um, other Talmidim from the base manager of the Chazanish, and then we jumped into what the Chazanish holds. So we, we started to deal with, in general, a general question, a key question with the Chazanish, which is when you use various writings of his, if it's a, from, let's say, Kaivitz Igris or things that Talmidim say over, if there will sometimes be contradictions. So we gave that as the the introduction, and then we basically brought numerous examples to reach uh, a conclusion, which is that there are definitely times that the Chazanish seems to be using new manuscripts and he's aware of it. Um, um, for example, the one example that I used was in the pulmus of the Shiurim. So the Chazanish um, was brought to his attention a chuvus aga'inim, and the Chazanish used it to, um, and he explains it for. In the, in the he and he used it. That was what was um interesting for us. You say he, a, a new manuscript of the Gainim was discovered in the 1800s and he uses it. Okay, so and we brought many examples. So the, the conclusion that I said is that we find that sometimes he seems to be using it. Okay, so now the question is but everyone says that he didn't hold the halachalam ma'isa So is there a contradiction? What's going on? So what. We, are, we already brought in the beginning, in last episode, and I've quoted a few times already, Lemashal, Revdesler, the d h these are two Um right in the, right, the is the, quoting it in um, in a letter, which was published in more recent years, and the dh is talking about it a year afterwards, that the, it was known the Khazanish was against manuscripts, even though I brought all the evidence last, from last time. So the question really is, is what scared the Khazanish? So I'm first going to mention speculation speculation on my part, and a speculation of others. Um, different types of speculation, because they do play a role somewhat in, understa- in the way the world says over the sheet is Chazanesh. I'm not going to go into every single aspect of this, because this is really, really a deep, deep rabbit hole. But just it's just to give a feel of some of the issues, because it plays out for all the first six episodes that we spoke out. And then I will try to show more into what Chazanesh actually says. Okay. And and, ra- and wrap up this episode so first I'll like this there was a hush of a yid so he wrote an article maria he's very pro he's very pro that all oh, in our generation new manuscripts but he seems to be struggling with it and he seems to throw out something which if you have conversations with other people over the years which i have had with many people oh the people that were working on it weren't such proper yershamayim, maskilim a lot of times. And this is what got people nervous, including the Chazanish. This is a claim that's been made.
0: You mentioned Abel Kloft. It's a name that I don't think is very popular in the yeshiva world. But one of my rabbim used to quote him pretty often. This yeah. rabbi of Aman actually was a big Chazanish nick in a certain sense. Uh. And I believe he has a server called Das Yoyal. And if I recall correctly, did he give a haskama to Revolba's alley Shore, one of Revolba's farm? He,
1: they, they had a very close relationship. Rabbi Clift was some type of Rebbe inspiration for Revolvi and um, they had a lot to do with each other. Um, yes, and he has that Sefer was It was reprinted in, a few years back, but he seemed to have been a very interesting... You know, also, Isaac and Kabbalah, I believe, uh, all around uh, Torah Jew, as they say. Um, so he... It seems from an article he published in Maria, I don't know how many how often he used to publish in Maria, but I um, this is an article that's quoted by others also, and it sounds like some type of claim like that. Now, and in discussing with other people, we are people who are just saying things, which the nature, that's how we, the world works. We just say things that we hear, we pick up. But it will be, I, a person that I would say that he really goes out of his way to write this up pro, um, in a way is um, a a writer that I've mentioned a few times in the past. His name is Rabbi Shua Inbal. So in the Yeshurin, in volume 31, which came out about 10 years ago, so he has this massive, I think it's like 125-page piece where he's comparing the Bura and the chazanish And he deals with all different issues. So obviously, one issue that comes up is going to be the issue the the Bura, which I set up the way the whole story goes. does is pro-Rishayim, Chazanish is not. So you could see from the whole um, uh, 10 pages that he has over here that he himself is beyond struggling. I, I call even playing games. He's not saying straight what's going on. He's very well aware of a lot of um, source, uh, primary sources about it. I mean, say what the Chazanesh says, but it, it's very hard. Even, even as much as I spent time on it and spoken to other people about it, it's still very hard to get a gra- a full grasp in this Sugi what the show. But he's trying to also project more, not only what he does say, into stuff that he doesn't say. So he says, Lamashal, who was people that was involved in the printing of the manuscripts. So he says like this, the Khazanis was, was suspect for tshuvas gainim publications from ga'inim. It seems that people touched them, they were tampered with. Um, of course, with the claim that the reason why they were fixing it was to be to fix the Lushan, but he doesn't like. He he seems to say that it's not so true. And then he says, who are the people that were doing it? The chevers Haskalo kedugmas nerdamim, and then they found different lines, and then they play around with that, and then we find strange things in the different Gainim. Now the problem was like this. Even it, and then he has pages of, um, dealing with this nakuda now even if there's some truth in some of the aspects that he says but the chaznish doesn't say this anywhere the chaznish actually in all the writings and all the things that we have in the chaznish where he talks about it he never once says clearly i don't like Gainic literature because maskilim are involved with the discoveries and all the kairagnesis stuff and all these things i don't like it it gets me nervous they're playing around with it so the sort of even, and especially in the case of this Ravimbal, in these same pages, he brings down the quotes of the Chazanish. So what is it that really, it, you, it really requires, um, one has to really figure out what it is that bothers the Khazanish. You can't, you can't say things, I mean, if you had a conversation, let's say Rebchaim Kanievsky said this, Rebchaim Kanievsky says that he had a conversation with 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 um, the Chazanish about it, okay? But here you have, and this, I don't have to go any further, I mentioned this a few times the Goenic literature that was discovered, we have Reb Chaim Karievsky's own notes of a page of his library, of, of a catalog of his library, published, and it lists out a bunch of these and printed by these quote-unquote Maskilim by Chevras Mekitzir Nerdomen. Now, And he, and not only that, not only did he own them, he uses them in the, in the course of his writings. So it's sort of like, it's very unfair to say such a thing. Now, in previous episodes, I said that there's too much projection on what people want. The story to be that it was masculine and Mekitzer is this a thing when the truth is it was not, it was far from that. I mentioned already that there were plenty of big people that were involved with it, especially in the early years, especially some of the people that were icing for many years. So to just like start claiming things and putting things in the mouth of the Chazanish is very bothersome to, let's say, someone like me. I want to know what the Chazanish held, if you have a clear source to say But if you're going to make up stories that we know, it's much, you have to be very careful. And and when we're talking about Adam Gadol, like the Chazanish, um, one of the in the Adar, you have to be very careful what to say, and don't put in... Now, I'm not telling you that there's never a case, and as I'm going to show in a moment, that there are cases of problems that happened, and people noticed it, but so what? Like this, let, let me just illustrate this. And, th- and and what's interesting is this, this is way before Maskelim, and this has nothing to do with particular gain. It turns out that if someone I, I once um, earlier I mentioned such a thing called the truth. I spoke in one of the earlier episodes. I spoke briefly, I listed out for one minute. If someone wanted to go to this farm store, in the 1800s, and he wanted to buy Ga'inic literature, what would he do? He would buy a few svarim. So one safer was called Chuva Shel You know how early it came out? It came out in 1575. But for but as far as what I pointed out already then, there was nothing for hundreds of years of Ga'inic literature besides this Chuva Sefer. Comes along Professor Simcha Emanuel, I've quoted him in the past, a Yid, a, ta- a, a year Shemayim, a, a yaki Yid, who happens to be a professor in Hebrew University, Tamil department, but a, a Tyre Yid. And he shows that there was intentional zeufim of a bunch of chuvas was take, taken straight from Shulchan Aruch, which is, which is funny because the Shulchan Aruch just came to existence at that time. And there's pages of tshu, quote unquote tshuvahs againim that are um, from the Shulchan Aruch. But on the other hand, it's clear that this work really does have, now they're able to show, early Gainic work. So here you have a work. Way before masculine come on the scene, hundreds of years before anyone even knew what the word masculine means. It seems this printer, which we don't know why he did such a thing. Maybe he wanted he, he he wanted to put out a fat safer. He only had x amount of material. So in 1575, he publishes real authentic guiding material, and then he publishes puts into there in the name of Gainim, pieces taken from the Shulchan Arach, which is funny strange. So now because of that. Someone's gonna to want to say, "Okay, so we should get nervous." Maybe that could happen with anything. You, you, you never know um, when such. If, 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 yes, you have to check into it. You shouldn't just check out. Uh, you shouldn't accept anything blindly. You should accept. You should check into it. You have to have proof that this is real. But okay, this
0: is one such story. What do you mean he took it from the Shulchan Aruch? Shulchan Aruch had him. Had them. No, no, he told, Oh no, 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 not
1: going him. He took pieces of Shulchan Aruch and said, this is Gainim, which is like, <laughs> and he, and it's funny is it's right then. The Shulchan Aruch just came out, you know, literally the Ramah, We're talking the 1570s. But not that he not took pieces of Gainim, then that would be a real evil thing, a more evil thing, which we'll discuss shortly if such a thing happened. Anyway. Even the Sefer, which I quoted last week when I was talking about the, the what's called the Pulmas HaShiurim, which is all the different issues relating to Shiurim of what's a Shir Kibetzah and all the different things that rack the halachic world and Adayayim um, racks the halachic world, and especially when it comes to Pesach and, and different times of year, what's the Shir for what of how much wine you have to drink and how much matzah you have to eat and all the, all the different places. So, one early source turns out from this Chuvah is called Shari Chuva, a Gaonic. Uh, tshuva of Ga'inim, that's first published in 1802. So there also, there were tshuvas in there that people were suspect. And out they've proven that there's problematic tshuvas that might have been stuck in by a forger. But on the other hand, they've proven that most of the literature in this tshuva sefer has other ways to prove that it's real from that Rishinim say the exact same Rishinim make the same exact claim, B'Shem Gainim and say the same thing. So we could say that at the same time that it might be problematic, there might be some materials. You have to check into it, you have to know what it is. So Lamashal, and this was um um uh, we have quoted this already more than once, is that the Archliner, he once wanted to he 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 there was a there's a dean in a certain thing uh, relating to Gainim, and he argues on Rishayinim based on a piece of information that he discovered about Rav Haigain in the Chuva Shari Tshuva, in this same Shari Tshuva. Okay? This is Daruch Liner, and we've already discussed in a special episode about him, and we mentioned him in the series on Khan He was very into new discoveries. On the other hand, not every... Um, the, the Kleisenberger Rav in is Diver he's very upset. He does not understand how is able to go so far, accept the chuvashari shari tshuva, and then he points to a different shari tshuva that no one brings up, and he says, this tshuva shari tshuva is problematic. So how could it be? It's a strange thing. This sefer has strange things in it. So don't bring halachic Rias from this sefer. And halachas kamakama, you're going too far with what your conclusions are based on this piece of information to understand what was about. But like everything else, it's not so simple. It, um, um there's there's muck and for the for the archener. But okay, but you see something got the Kloisenberger of very it got him very um it got him very nervous, so to speak. And this is probably coming by May it could be, it could be it's coming as possible, but Um okay. Now there's another thing that people throw out there, and if a sure has some type of um, thing to get people nervous about new manuscripts. And so this, we're not going to go into out of we but just going to mention.
0: I just have to point out, we, we have to step back and appreciate Rabbi Dr. Eliezer brought pulling from a Hasidic Rebbe's Tshuva Sefer to prove his point. But again, you know, I'm a, I've mentioned in the past, you know, I'm a Kloisenberger, whatever that means. He was my Sandik. And, uh, but everybody, you could talk about for a second his ga'inness, so it was, it's not like a classic, a little different sure. than how you... Uh, Correct, correct.
1: Right, correct. Is it, here we have a, a Rebbe. The, the significance over here is, even though he's known as the he's for a lot of people, actually, they call him the Klisenberg Gerov. You know why? I'm just throwing this out there right now. Because they want to emphasize his gallus in learning, and psak. He wrote a massive set of tshuva and halacha, which is not as common w- by many Rebbes to have such an amount of literature in halacha, in halacha. So anyway, the point is that this is the Klisenberg Gerov, um, um was pointing out uh, with our and he there are other cases could be made with in the Khlazum Gerov um that he was nervous about certain types of things that, that came to light. Now, but but there's another case that they like to throw out when you're having this conversation, it could be in a bull session that you'd be having in Yeshiva or something about this topic where Yeshiva Bakram have the fond love to talk about Dvaram Shaim and Baruchalam without knowing anything. So this is another such example, which is the Reish, Someone comes along and claims he discovered a chuva safer from the Rush and makes him a pecha. Problem is, there's certain kulis in there. And people start complaining, claiming it's, it's a forgery, it's not a forgery, good for the Jews, bad for the Jews. And there's so much to talk about with the safer. But the point is, suggests Jakob Spiegel that that started getting people sometimes nervous whenever they would see. Uh, a new met, let's say someone comes in eight, this happens. When was it? The, the poem was about the safer starts right in the late 1790s. So from then on, people get nervous. New safer? Mm, I want you to prove it to me better that it's real safer. But the truth is that it, it's not so simple because the way I was able to show pretty clearly from the, the um, oh, for a few hundred years, Pretty much, yeah, they proved it. You, you didn't come in and just say, okay, here's a ritva. You prove it. Lamashla, you open up a Meister of Cook edition, you'll see these proofs, all different types of proofs. They'll bring a they'll bring all different things, but it's able to be proven. And then once it's proven, it's pretty much accepted. Okay, now, another thing, and, and this this is a more of a speculation, which also could be very well true, is like this. Sometimes you make a major discovery. Academics or Tamid HaChamim, Taka, a new safer, comes to light. And then they go with it. They prove a bunch of things and they build up a lot of the Then, But the problem is, even then, they didn't have all the evidence. Comes along 60, 70 years and all of a sudden they find new evidence. And this changes the whole thing completely the opposite way it was thought. I'm just going to throw it out there, again, just for a marmakam. It's known that in 921, 922, there was a huge controversy about the calendar, which led to, which caused the whole between Jews of Palestine, Jews of Babylonian, about how to Negalamaisa, when does Pesach and when does Adi Yamtai even fall out? And there was big big debates about it. Now no one really knew that there was even such a pulmus. What happened is starting in the 1860s, things of Gainim came out and they started hopping, There was a big deal and more and more and more until between from the years 1860 till 1915, a whole bunch of pieces of literature came out and they basically pieced together a whole story with going being Oysik in it, other Cheshavah people. And, and they created literally a whole story. And then from then on, there wasn't so many major discoveries. A few years ago, someone went back we do, relook look at the evidence, and based on new materials that we have, a new kalim, and all different things, a fellow, Sasha Stern in England, from Yid, wrote a book called The Jewish Calendar Controversy, a fat, gigantic book, where he basically went back to also again saw that whatever was assumed for the past hundred years was wrong. Why? Because they didn't have all the information. All of a sudden, once you have all the information, it changes. So it's very possible is, and you could see this type of Nakuda, the Chazanish, which is, is requires Eon out of safe how will you go with it you found a a piece of a reason and it's real but who said that that's the end of the story and once you're going to touch that you're touching who said that that's where it ends maybe we're going to find another reason that's going to change it the other way so you have to be very careful even when you do find a piece of evidence that's a suggestion which we will show in the chazanish that he how far he goes with this shashh Okay. Anyway, bottom line is that I was, I'm was i looking and looking and looking. I'm trying to understand, is there something that could have triggered the Chazanish to have gotten him very nervous about forgeries in his time? I mean, to say, if I'm going to show you Mekitsun and man, I'm going to make up Tyrus and everything, they're good Jews, they're bad Jews, but what happened? Did something happen? Did an event of a big forgery happen in the time of the Chazanish that could have made it to get him very nervous about forgeries? So all of a sudden, based on different things, I realize there's a sefer, we know very well, L'chafetz Chaim, or a sefer on Kachem. And the sefer on Kachem is known as Lakute HaLachis, where he made a riff-like chibur on Kachem. And in there, in Masechtas Bechayris, he has a piece, and he says the source is, he's talking about a note, Masechtas Bechayris, is Yushalmi on Masechtas Bechayris. Now, this is published when? In 1922. All of a sudden, a line that I didn't, at first did not realize what I was saying, and then all of a sudden I chapped. says the Chazanishin B'chayris, This and this. Now, the controversy of the Yerushalmi Kachim took place when? Started. It's the, the whole discovery of the Ushalmi Kachim started taking place in 1905 and was going on. Look, 1922. Still, the Mishnah B'rura is using it in its Chibur. Now, already early on, a little after 1905, they're starting to get suspicious, and the newspapers and all the Gedolim are tumbling about it. And trust me. It's Kachim. The Chafetz Chaim knew what's going on also. At this time, the Chafetz Chaim still felt Maybe it is. By the time this point, the Chazanish is saying, "When I, I don't know when the Chazanish wrote this piece in Bechairis, but he's saying, no, we're ready. It's assumed to be a ziyuf." But what happened is, and if you read in, and you go into the sugiah of Yishami Kachim, this was a great forgery that rocked the, Allah, the rabbinic world at the time. Chiburim articles, and this, the, the forger didn't back down. He really fought... For his Hebrew claiming, no, no, I, it's real, it's real, it's real. Today, it's assumed as a Dover Pashat, it's a forgery. How he pulled it off is a different question. You have to speak to Harav Rav Baruch Oberlander of Hungary. He's an expert on it. He's written a book in Hungarian on, I don't speak Hungarian, but he wrote a bunch of articles in our Ar which is supposed to come out as a Hebrew Sefer. Um, anyway, he has many articles about it. And he deals with all different aspects of it. But here is, what I'm using this is, because I found the line. And I don't I don't know that this line is referring to the Ushami Kachah. There's a line which is quoted often in Kaivitz Igrasa Khazanish. And he says like this: He remembers that there was a story of a person that he hid a savyat in the ground. And basically was discovered that he was lying, but he wanted to show that it's real, so he. Kill dug it up. It was like a whole scan. It seems it was a whole scandal at the time. So when you read these types of things and you see you know the story of Yushalmi Kachim and this is playing out when in the years the Chazanish is most active. He's a young, he's a young person in the city in the area of Eastern Europe. This controversy was everything. Everyone was talking about it. You have to understand for Yushalmi Kachim as a discovery for a yid like the Chazanish, you Yid like the Khitskayim, these are this is the bread and butter for these people. So what Because of the result of what happened, it's very possible this is what got the Chazanash so nervous, because I asked the question. The question is that beforehand, for a few hundred years, no one's really getting nervous. Yes, there was a pulmonist I just mentioned called Psamim Reish, which needs its own story, to understand the whole story, but it didn't happen, Yoyim and that there were um, um, cases that were so blatant of forgeries and then caused the whole tumult. Okay? But this is just a suggestion to try to give us some understanding possibly into what got the Khazanish a little nervous
0: a totally unimportant question why would someone current day write any articles on Hungarian (laughs) because he lives in
1: Hungary and because he lives in Hungary that was the way he could get a doctorate in Hungarian University without even have to go to school so it's convenient for him but otherwise you're 100% right
0: that's a great answer. So basically saying he wrote as a doctorate, so that's why he wrote it in Hungarian. Right, right,
1: correct. Now, okay, anyway, the point is that there are stories of forgeries. There's a Yid, uh, a fine Yid, Rameisha Hillel, I know very well, one of the youngest children of Rav He's published a few works, and he's outing different people of with tremendous forgeries, and the motivations for forgeries are common. So when you hear these type of stories, again, today we project this on the Chaznish, but at least the Rishalmi Kachim I have a thing. It's though it's his ears. It's uh, He even talks about it. He was aware of the Yishalm He's calling out to Mishnaburu, which we know, and I believe I mentioned, the Chafetz Chaim started to wear Rabbeinu film because of what it said in the Kachim, and then he didn't stop. Anyway, the point is, and um, we could go on and on about it, but that there are cases of forgeries and that might have been something that bothered the Chazanish to get him nervous about it. Okay. Um, and just one other nakuda, even people that I'm just, I just want to say two other types about forgeries, and then we'll go on with the Chazamish, which is like this. The the um, rib. number one is I've quoted also that Deres was very pro the Yidda Deris, one of as I one of my main main heroes, father in law of Rev Cook, was very pro Rishainim and liked them in a in a massive that he had back and forth. With the interesting Yid, to put it mildly, Yaakov Reifman, when they're talking about chuvas of Gainim, he says, not all our are going to be There are times that there's stuff where it's clear it was stuck in. There's, there's, there's some playing around in some of the various chuvas of Gainim. Even though, I quoted strong evidence that there is a lot of times liked it, and used the new discoveries, including Goynim. But you have to be careful, you have to be aware that there could be such things. Lamashal, Reb Chaim Berlin also, there's a letter where he writes to Rebellio harkavi Rebelio Harkavi was a, a person who learned in Valashan, I spoke about him also. And Rebellio Harkavi, one of his years' expertise was Chuvas HaGoynim, and he published Chuvas HaGoynim, and Reb Chaim Berlin's writing to make sure to send it to me. And I like it, great. But by the way, there's one thing in your letter over there it smells from, it's a karoi. there's something stuck in. So you have to be careful, ain't a Hanami. So it could be and this goes back to the whole thing, which I'm asking really over here. Really, the Chazalish is saying, really, you could rely on Rishonim. You have to know 100%. You have to be careful. There could be sometimes, look in this story, catch Kachim. there were Gedalim that really believed it was, and then it turns out it wasn't. Okay, so this is one Nakuda. And one last Nakuda with, with forgeries, it's very common Arayim. We've mentioned a few times, very, very Derek Hagav, that auctions of rare books and manuscripts is very, very common today in the from Jewish scene. And every once in a while, there are times that things turn out to be forgeries. One of the great, There's a great Yid in uh, B'nai Brak, Rebizu Yeshaya Weiss, and he's known as being, he's busted many forgeries. There's even been on the market things that are perfect, perfect duplicates of letters of the Stipler, letters of Rebichas Bramsky and others. And somehow there was certain information in the letter, and they brought it to him, and that's how he figured out that it's a forgery. mean, say the handwriting was identical. And it turns out they were Mavar, This guy was a bacher, needed money, and he was he basically was forging documents of a few different gedolim, and it was being sold on the markets. So there is this thing: for money, people need money. There's sadly there's uh, hilchas um in chaysh mishpat because it do, it does happen even amongst us from Yidden. So, Kitzer, this is a chash, and maybe this also had to do with what the Khazanish held. But this is projection. I don't know. I don't have proof that Khazanish says such a th- is scared about that. But this is, as I said, he lived in a time when this actually happened. Interestingly enough, there's a pulmis about to say for Eshko if it's a forgery or not. Definitely not as big as a controversy as Yerushalmi Kachim. And the Khazanish does use the forged Eshko. So it could be Okay, um, so some people say, you see, even he who was nervous and concerned about using forged documents, here he did use it okay, anyway, this is just not not relevant right now
0: yeah does some of this conversation you talk about, you know, being careful and being suspicious and things like that you know, there are many things in today's society you know, that you can either ban them totally you could use them be suspicious but it could be it depends on how some of these forums some of this literature is being used, you know, obviously certain things you're not going to use as, you know, to be maturinesh ish based on something which could have a chashash. But as a of for another psak that you want right. to have added tziruf, it can really depend on how you use these forms.
1: Right, right. No, this is this is a very valid point that some people say, you know, if you're learning the Gemara and it gives you apesayidia, whatever, so you want, you go with it. But the point was, which is what I was showing, is the Mishnah Brura, which he's the person as the, I'm using just him as the name, but it's much more. He's using halachalamaisa and Shabbos, and I just saw someone writing, in Eirvin, the amount of times he relies on Rabbeinu Chanano is mind boggling. So he's using it out of for real things. So that, now, it happens to be, I use this as a raya, that the Chazanish can't be so angry about it, because if he, he would have called, why isn't he calling out the Mishnah brewer about it? So I suspect there's much more to the story, which I hope to get to. Okay, now let's get to um, one last aspect for today. And that's his file. This is his files. Rav Dessler, I told you, had a close relationship with the Chazanesh, it appears. And Il-Mashul, um, a few years back, they put out a volume of letters of his. Fascinating, fascinating volume. This came out about 20 years ago. Five, ten times, at least, he talks about, he says over things in these letters that he had a conversation with the Chazanesh about. A lot of, he quotes in two different letters. This is printed in in um, back, to, we're, we're holding in 2004. Okay? So they talk about, he's talking to someone, it doesn't say who, but he brings down twice, the Chazanesh told him about if they strange, if you find strange things in the manuscripts, you have to be careful. So they, it turns out, this, so this is not these two letters that he has, it doesn't tell us where these letters are written to. And not only doesn't it tell us these letters written to it, um, so we don't have the background, which is what I discussed last time. A lot of times it's very hard to bu- build anything if you don't know what it's talking about. But And we don't know to who it is. Now, it, I just have to mention, because this is also very important, and right over here, there is a letter um, to um, a few different a few different letters about this following thing. Rev. Destler came from Tazeda, was Isaac in Gainic literature, was a Gain. Goyen- and this, the the, um, the ben Arye, the Chiddushi Ben Arye, which is found some in different places in the back, there's a in the, in the back of the Gemara Shas Vilna. He wrote Hagayis on the Itor, and the Halachas Gedolos on the Chuvasa Arif on the Itor, and he had them. And eventually, some of them gets to Ruzev Lider, and Ruzev Lider publishes them, uh, at least on the Chuvis Arif, and they existed. So he was someone that was sympathetic. Um, you see from the other letters, he understood the chashivas of publishing, and he was pro it. So here we have, Rav wasn't this, um, what I'm trying to bring out is today, people don't realize as much. Rav was a mamash, a real-time Talmud Chacham, very well aware of what's going on. He knew the significance of Gaining literature. His He was involved with it. He was handling publishing it, and it ends up getting, yes, published. So he knew what's going on. Yet he had a conversation with the Khazanish more than once, and he's quoting it. To, it, turns, it doesn't say to who, and why, and what's the background. Okay, fast forward to this year. A friend of mine was at a chasna in Yerushalayim. He tells me, he picked me up a safer. I'm always happy to hear that. It's called Igris Ravelio Desler. That was the Sasson family. Very exciting. I get, to, I get the letters from him, start going through it. And in here, all of a sudden, I see there's a letter relating to this letter that I just quoted about the chasnash. Turns out He was writing to his Talmud. They were having a back and forth. And the family even gave this letter to the the 2004 people that published the Revdesla stuff. But they didn't print the whole thing. I don't know why not. But anyway, over there, it turns out that the Chazanish said there was a discussion. We, Revdesla, it seems, wanted to bring a Raya for something from a Rabbeinah Chananel in Chagiga. And that's when the Chazanish said his thing. There are times there are strange things in Rishonim, and, and there's, you can't, such a type of thing. Okay? All of a sudden, this helped me understand more. Because in various pieces where the Chazanish talks about um, his his complaints about Nur Rishonim, it turns out it's specifically about Rabbeinah Chana'na. Okay? Let me just mention one such place. It says. Diver, uh, this is in a letter, That's this was in a, a diun, a pulmus, that, I don't know if really a pulmus, but there was a, Chaznash wrote a piece about a Klayim and a Bnei Noyach, and a, a Yid and Bnei Brak wrote a whole back and forth, they had a whole back and forth with him, we, we'll discuss this more, Amir Tzashem, um, but he says in this back and forth, they have no They are full of mistakes. The Chaznash says this. And he doesn't just say it over here, he says it in other places. It's full of mistakes. That's the first and he goes on, and af even when people do it carefully, they could. The a So it could be very, very um, dangerous because it has to be made, you have to make sure you're copying it very clear, carefully. Then there's a different Chazanish, and another Chazanish, and, he's, and and what I'm seeing is, all of a sudden, there's something the Chazanish has with Rabbeinu Hanana. okay. On the other hand, I must throw out, there's a different piece of Chazanish, where he's talking about something, if he takes up something out. Then he says, but I saw the Rabbeinu Hananah Rosh Hashanah, and he brings a raya from Rabbeinu Hananah Rosh Hashanah, so sometimes he does go with it. Anyway, so this obviously, and this is the this is the last nakuda that I'm going to mention for today. Before and um, next time we'll finish up the sugya is as follows: We needs to have an understanding of the discovery of Rabbeinu Chanano. So very briefly, is as follows: In the if you open up a Shas Vilna, an original Shas Vilna, in the back, they wrote up a whole thing about what. Are they bringing new to the table, so to speak? It's a few pages long, and fascinating, fascinating information if one wants to understand the development, the history of the Shas Vilna, what they did when they came out. We take for granted everything that we have, but literally everything that they did, they spent a lot of time, money. It was a huge investment of money because it could have backfired, and then they would have lost a lot of money. They were under a race of time; they needed to put, they wanted to put out the Shas. And it wasn't simple wasn't a simple matter. But they also wanted to put out as many good new things that are out there. So they sort out all different types of materials and they listed it out. So at the end, they explain very clearly what it is that they have. Lamashal, when they talk about Rabbi Nachman, they say Masecht Shabbos, various Masechtas of Marikaton they got from a manuscript in the Vatican in Rome. Okay, so here you have it. People always love to say over oh, if the Vatican has Jewish manuscripts and there's hidden manuscripts, and people have stories upon stories that are based on it. But yes, the Vatican has manuscripts, and we somehow got access. I'm about to say how we got access in a moment. And they published materials in the Shas Vilna that everyone has in their house from the Vatican Library. Okay, this is relating to Rabbi Nichanano on certain Mesechta Um The British Museum was how they got on Baba Kama and Baba Metzia. They printed another Masechetos. Okay, this is they, they write this out, listing amongst the many other different amazing things, helping a person decide you want to buy a Shas Vilna, you should buy it because it has all these different things. Okay, in the beginning of the volume, they tar- start talking about who worked for them, who, and and they describe more at length who was involved with their publications. So they list out, and this person, this is a very significant piece of information. One of in the Gedalim, one of the Rabbanim of Vilna at the time, was a Yid Reb or Kayin, Parnazah, he worked for them and he was a Magia for them in all different things. He also is a Magia working on, writing Ha'aris on Rabbeinu Hanano. So they describe the story that basically they're running against the clock. They find out that there's manuscripts. It's not like today. If someone finds out there's a manuscript today by tomorrow he could have a, a scan of it in his computer and within two days he could have it typed up. Those days you had to get, we're talking about litta getting someone in Rome, in the Vatican, other places to get it. And it's hard to read, to get it typed up. There's no such thing typing it up. You write it, you copy it by hand. You have to read it. You have to find someone who could read it. You know, obviously so, to send someone down, a special person that's an expert in reading costs a lot of money. So, the kids there was a yid, which we quoted in episode number six. The duke from He had great connections with the Vatican. So much so that because of his work, he was allowed to take out books and all different things. He did. He used his pull with the Vatican and he was able to get for the Shas Vilna materials of Rabbeinu Hanada. Not only that, he got them, this they write this all out of he got them a person, an old man, who was like 70 years old, who was a professional transcriber of manuscripts. This was his job in those days. And even though Shlomo Buber, who we also spoke about, and other people, and the Duke of from needed him for his work. He was Mavater for Shastfus Vilna to be able to get the manuscripts of Rabbi Khanar because the clock was ticking. What does it mean the clock is ticking? If they don't have it, the investors, the whole thing, the whole big massive project crashes. They have to have it out by a certain point of time. They can't say, okay, we need another three years to do research. They got money from people up front. People want there to see the work already. The clock, okay. Anyway, the kitzur so who's involved with this? The Diktuke saifrim he helps them. But you can already start seeing that it was under the gun. There was a rush. So, so it's interesting. Is after you read this achers you can understand why a few times the chazanish points out. But not that there's you can't rely on anything in the in the rabbeinu chanan. you could, and this is a key point in this whole discussion. The chazanish held and this is, uh, I'm going to give more sources for this Mitzvah next time, that even if I find a Sefer, um, let's say, Tshuva gainam, and there's problems in the safer, but there's certain chuvas that are proven to be right, then it's fine. We don't say, just because one chuva is problematic, it passes everything. Each chuva, the Tshuva, is, as they say, is innocent until proven guilty. Now, Interestingly enough, there were other G'daylam that were Isaac before the Shas Vilna was Isaac Rabbeinu Chanano. Just to note, because this just came out, David Zvi Hoffman in the 1860s. This is before the 1880s is when the Shas Vilna is happening, but in the 1860s already, he publishes um, the Rabbeinu Chanano on Makais with Ha'aris. And it's, um, it's not it's a very fine article in Yusha it from my friend Rabbi Hafman, discussing it. And the point is that, as I mentioned already in earlier episodes, many G'dayim had no problems using Rabbi Nechananel and Lamashal, Rabbi Simcha. And the Chafetz Chaim, we just said it many times, using it all the time. The Chazanesh was nervous because he came across specific pieces and he said, something is not right. He was very sensitive to the lashan and that's what got him nervous. But we know, and we quoted this also, the Chazanesh has great respect for chanal and the Messiah of Tyra as an early Rishan, and we know well, the Will the Rishon bring it down. So anyway, um, just to conclude, to wrap this up right now, until um, next time, is that the that it's, that that what, what I'm showing is that the, a lot of times the shash was specifically on Rabbeinu Hanano, which was a new discovery, which was, Taka, published under the gun as they say, and it didn't have the same, let's say when certain Roshanim come out today, sometimes these works, they spend years working on them. Ha'aris are full of eon, every single thing, the comparative they, they they it's there's mechons that are sponsoring it. Here, when the Chishash woman was putting it on the side, they t- so yes they didn't have magiyim, or Rabshlein Mekayim. Certain Masechtas, they used Rabdavit Si. Hoffman without mentioning it. And other people helped them. But it was a rush. so there, and, and it's true, there are pieces that sometimes it's missing in the Hataka. And today, actually, based on new discoveries, they found much more material of Rabbeinu Chanano that they didn't have for the Shas Vilna. And this is, if you buy a Shas Vakshal, they've been putting in new pieces of Rabbeinu Chanano that the Shas Vilna doesn't have. This is an advertisement for them, but they're not paying for it. And they have put out a critical edition of Rabbi Nechanan, based on new manuscripts that they've discovered. Tons of new pieces. Masechlis Baba Kama has many, many new pieces of Rabbi Nechanan, based on the new discoveries. But these works are done much slower, much more careful. So, not that there's a Tainan on the Shas Vilna that they did it, they, were, they, they did what they did, and people used it, and I listed out that they used it, even with all the mistakes. even the, But I said it, even the Chazanish used it. That's the Chiddush. So you have to use every piece, the Gufa You can't make a klal for that. Anyway, next time, Mirza Hashem will finish up one more parsha to explain, and then hopefully this will give us at least some insight in the Chazanesh Yeshita on the manuscripts, and it'll help us also understand further with Rukhayn Kanievsky.
0: Thank you very, very much. Fascinating that whole ben Chananel piece is a, a real parsha. Um, so before we close out, Rabbi Brat, do you want to surprise us with a safer? Give us a couple of minutes on something going on in your library
1: okay so so just as Agdama I must say we're recording this episode it's very it's a very tough time for me because right now is what's called book week in Eretz Yisrael, or now it's known as book month and basically Haredi places and and um, non haredi places publish books all year round with the Dafka release certain books now and there's major sales wherever you go all over Eretz Yisrael, and people are buying books it's like in the in the ear people that don't buy books ever buy books anyway so yesterday was what's called the 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 non-from um, sale which takes place in different places all over etz so i was there for a few hours and so I, i'm just going to show one book very interesting that i picked up and it happens to be the connection is because it's relating to a lot of the stuff we discussed in season two of Kanyevsky. Okay, so it's called I did Kayan is the author. I know him from Yid Mizrahi. Saive Tarbutim Shalachida. Okay, this book is published by Magnus Press. That's the Hebrew University Press. It's 438 pages. Chaval. It's in paperback. I don't know why they were cheap and they didn't make it in, in um, hardcover. It's very hard for me to read it in paperback. But anyway, fascinating work based on his doctorate on the Chida. Now. The Chida. There's endless material about the Chida. I've mentioned a few times even in in these episodes. There's the travels of the Chida which in the past year, three different editions came out about them. And other manuscripts that are relating just to the Chida's travels. The the Chida wrote, uh, I don't know, something over, they list out, I think somewhere somewhere, like I see one place the list gives 126 Chiburim. The Chidosh of that is, he was traveling a lot of his life. Okay, anyway, this book, what's the chashivas of this book? There's a lot of literature about the chidah already, especially LeMarshel, Meister of Cook, has a book from Meir Benio. This book focuses on three main things. One is the Magal Taif, which I've quoted a bunch of times in the past, which is his travels, where he documents things that, amongst other things that he documents, he documents the svarim he saw, which I used him for in these episodes for the manuscripts that he saw. He was the person, I said, one of the main people that I think made it known that there are manuscripts in all different libraries. He wrote a book, which I quote all the time in these shiurim, the Shema G'daylim, which is his in-depth work, which is a classic adayayim where he lists out about the G'daylim and he lists out about the Svarim, he, again, manuscripts he saw, people he met, all different types of things. And another work, which we also spoke a little bit about, the Tabirka Yosef, which is his classic work on Aruch and other areas of Shulchan Ar-Kh, where he uses the vast materials that he found in his travels. So all this is discussed at great length in this fascinating book. Ah, it came out yesterday, how do I know? I've read some articles of this. I've heard him speak about certain things in this topic. I've read certain parts in his doctorate. It's excellent work. Again, there seems to be a very um, great interest, not only by Svardim, are very proud of the Chidah, but even Ashkenazim and Hasidah Sheyidim all love the Chidah. So yet another book came out on the Chidah yesterday. That's what I'm mentioning.
0: Thank you very much. And now's a great opportunity, you know, to ask our audience if they want to sponsor episodes, because this money goes directly to support Rabbi Brutt's work. Some of his work includes buying Svardim for the work to be enhanced. So you can reach out to myself, M at ou.org or to Rabbi Dr. Eliezer Brutt at Gmail. We can discuss episodes, discuss dedications, discuss your critiques, discuss your compliments. We're open, open, open to all. So thank you again.